You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Random Fit with myself, Wendy Batts, and friend and co-host, Ken Miller. Ken, how are you? I'm doing well, Wendy. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Um, I'm... I always say this and my our producer gets upset, but I like this topic a lot because uh, in the next couple of days, actually, uh, the M, well, the NFL combines are going to be happening and we get to see it live if you're interested in that. And I know, Ken, you and I have both trained a lot of people to get them ready for the combines in the past. And we often get questions about what they test for, why they test for it, kind of the history about it. So that's all the stuff we're going to cover today. Yeah, and when it comes to the NFL Combine or the NBA Combine for that for that matter, it's just a big audition, really, right? They are they they go to the stadium, they they show how well prepared that they are so that you know the general managers, the coaches, the ownership can see what is or who is going to be available to them when it comes draft time. So I, I like the the NFL or actually I like this topic about the NFL Combine because I don't know Wendy if you've watched um, the NFL Network when they show the Combine and because it's all that's on right and of course uh, the the sports news networks they'll they'll have the Combine highlights so I think it's fair because I get questions about it from from associates of mine and I'm sure you do too as far as Okay, well, did you see this guys? Th- these guys, they they ran their forty. They they benched so many reps. Um, but I think a lot of people don't understand really what goes into the preparation for these basically college kids as they get ready to, you know, perform for the for the combine. So it's it's a it's a good topic. I think we'll answer a few questions on what happens on the inside of the combine curtain. Yeah, the inside. But I mean, just for a little background, I mean, the first actual combine was held in Tampa, Florida, which if you guys watch it now, you're going to notice that it's in Lucas Oil Stadium. That's always an indie. But the first one was actually held in 1982. And this is when the scouting league was like, you know, we're going to put this invitation only um, kind of deal together. We're going to see what people can do. How fast can they run? How high can they jump? You know, what kind of routes can they run and how they do in comparison to some of these other players. And I mean, if you look at it now, you're looking at over 300 or so uh, invitations that go out currently. And then, of course, it's a little more than that. But, you know, I think last year it was like 319. But when it first started, it was 163 players. And there was about um, 16 members of different types of clubs clubs and organizations that were there. And as you mentioned, it was the general managers, it's the scouts, it's the coaches, it's the owners, and they're all watching these individuals. However, if you watch the Super Bowl a few weeks ago, you're going to notice too that the combines don't always say how talented an individual can be because you're always going to have that first round draft pick. And that's one of the reasons they do this, especially some now with the with the what nil money you know people are coming out of high school getting paid now they're playing and doing this in college and sometimes i mean people get nervous i get nervous when i test when i sit in front of a test and i'm I'm doing whatever it is whether it's it's mentally and i'm doing it pen and paper whether i'm doing it on the computer or i'm out in the field doing something i may not perform at my best because my nerves get the best of me and again, on the big screen, when you're playing in the NFL, there's always TVs and stuff on you. So it's trying to get people used to it. 
But as you say, kind of behind the curtain, and that's you know the reason for the episode name, there's a lot that goes into the training to get these guys ready for sure. So I think one of the first things that a lot of people don't understand is that the second that a team, so a, a college football player, once they've declared, they, they know that they're going to go and they're going to be draft eligible. <clears throat> and like you said, Wendy, they get, they get that invitation or if they know that this is what they have to get ready for by this date, which is this year, it's going to be at the end of February. As soon as they finish their last game, whether it's their last regular season game, if they didn't qualify for a bowl game and or right after that bowl game, that's when they get ready. So a lot of times, as soon as they finish their last game that next weekend, they're flying off to whatever training facility that they're going to train at. Um, or you have some, you know, some players that maybe not as high of potential. Um, they may do something more local to themselves because uh, uh for themselves when it comes to this because when they go to these training facilities and there's a few you know there's there's more than a few in Arizona uh, <laughs> and, and you know Wendy uh when it comes to um Florida has has uh, uh combine prep facilities uh basically um they'll they'll go to a place where a lot of times it's where the agent wants them to go or their strength coach has a preference for them to go and be somewhere a place that's usually usually has a great reputation for getting athletes ready because they have the facilities, they have the coaches, and a lot of times these facilities they make a lot of their 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 revenue stream for during these two three months in getting these athletes ready for the combine. So first thing is first is when they do it, and a lot of times if they've uh, incurred an injury over the season, they've got to get over that. And on top of getting ready physically for the battery of tests and assessments that they're going to um, go through during that combine, because a lot of people don't realize how broad uh, uh, an assessment process when it comes to their strength, their power, not just their their acumen when it comes to to football. But there's there's a lot that they have to get ready for. So the more time, the better. Usually it's right after that last game, things get rolling. Well, and, and people often ask just before we even kind of dive even deeper, like what are the key tests or drills that they're going to perform at the combines? And if you have never checked it out and watched it, it is something that I love to watch. Um, but they start, they'll do the 40 yard dash. They do a bench pressing of 225 pounds, vertical jump, broad jump, 20 yard shuttle, 20 yard shuffle, a three cone drill, a 60 yard shuffle or shuttle, I'm sorry, and then a position-specific drill um, or different drills that they're going to do based on their positions. And so when you think about all of that, one of the things that I, I love and, and I have been successful with, especially at this time of year, when we know that there are people going into the combines, is working hand-on-hand -hand with the people that are, are more uh, of the strength and conditioning coaches that are helping these yeah. individuals with the 225 you know, bench press and the things that are going to be kind of set weight and they're going to have to perform multiple times and do different things. My my way of working with these individuals is to make sure that they have ideal range of motion. So when they are doing these different shuttles, when they are doing the 40 yard dash, that they can come out of the blocks as explosively as possible. And I tell this to parents all the time that even though your kid is very talented and they are scheduled to maybe go in their first round draft pick, 
we need to make sure they move as ideally as possible because injuries can happen. You get someone out of the blocks and they're not prepared the right way, they're going to blow a hammy if they're not careful. Or you're going to see things happen where people twist an ankle and, you know, injuries can happen on the fly, non-contact. We talked about that. But if you are going to have a, or, or you are one of those individuals that have been invited, because remember to be in the combines, it's an invitation only. You can't just say, I'm going to go to the combines today and see how I do. So it's an invitation only type event where they know that you're going to be capable. They think that you are going to be a, a good draft choice. It's just where, when, what position. And so if you can get someone work moving and working as ideally as possible in that position, they're going to go higher, which means if they go higher, they make way more money. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge difference. So if you are, a lot of people don't realize that if you are draft eligible, that position between getting drafted ninth and 10th can be millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Not to mention if you have a bad showing, like you don't have, you don't run as fast or you drop a few footballs that have been thrown your way. Um, first round versus third round and you know i've i've you know talked to a couple of the guys i've i've worked with over the years and it's you know unless you're getting some sponsorship money unless you're um on commercials or things like that you you will not make that money back up contractually so that's why those first three months uh, those first three months are of training for the combine are very important. And to your point, Wendy, when it comes to being healthy, you can't show up hurt. You can't, you know, if you had a nagging ankle or low back or shoulder injury, uh, having adequate range of just because the, the, not just the fact that you might carry an injury with you from the season into training for the combine. But the training itself is rigorous, right? Oh. The training itself is going to beat you up. So implementing strategies, whether you have a manual therapist like yourself, Wendy, uh, physical therapists on site, um, you know, unless the if you're looking at training facilities, what do they do to augment the power and the strength training that they that the traditional strength coach will will incorporate into your training program, but are they incorporating things like um, corrective exercise, yoga, Pilates, things that will help emphasize achieving optimal range of motion? But a lot of people don't realize that the training itself uh, is rigorous. So, uh, so when we talk about the complete training cycle or, or completing the picture when it comes to what these athletes need. This is what we're talking about here on Inside the Combine Curtain with both Wendy Batts and I, Ken Miller, here on uh, this episode of Random Fit. So, I mean, there's a, I mean, you listed off more than a few <laughs> assessments, Wendy. So to do all, train for all of those for a span of two, three days, um, it's a lot of stress and strain on the body. It is. And, you know, when we talk about corrective exercise, people are like, yeah, but I'll do that after the fact. But here's the thing. If you have an athlete that comes and they have overactive calves, I mean, they're running, they're jumping, they're doing different drills. They're constantly doing all this and they're not taking time to foam roll and stretch or do the, get some manual therapy to realign or, or re-lengthen that tissue back into its proper state and activate the opposing side. If you're lacking dorsiflexion, which is just basically range of motion at the ankle, that can limit how high somebody can jump. 
And if you're limited at your ankle, then you're going to be limited at what the knee is able to perform. And that's when if somebody jumps and their knees start to go down and cave inward, of course, that to me is a red flag. A lot of people see this now, especially the athletic trainers and the managers and the coaches that are there. They're looking to see how the body moves as well. So it's not just the performance on how high, it's how did they land? How how are how is their body able to perform just in general, because I mean, yes, it is a significant difference on if it's an inch, you know, height in comparison, especially when you're looking at the NBA, however, but even in the NFL, they look at all of these stats. And so if you've got good range of motion, you're able to explode off the blocks, they've got good knee alignment, then that means their hips are probably moving pretty, pretty well as well, meaning the glute max is firing. So they're going to be able to have more power in their hips. They're less likely to pull something. Their lower back is probably in better shape. And so all of it does translate into what they're going to be doing on the field, especially over those days. And one thing that that I have actually been a part of, um, this is more for the MBA combine, was they we did the overhead squat assessments. We did range of motion testing. We did different type of movement testing on um, wingspan, on shoulder movement, and what they call scapulothoracic rhythm, meaning the rhythm between the shoulder and the shoulder blade to make sure that everything was moving as optimally as possible. Did they have good range of motion when they lifted their arms up or did they have a low back arch? All of this stuff that we've learned through exercise science, physiology, biomechanics, we actually tested and that information, like one through a hundred, how well did they move? That information also went along with those test results of what they did at the combine itself, because now people want to know, especially before they pay all of these millions of dollars, what are their chances of injury? Or if we do go ahead and draft this individual, what do we need to know is a weakness that we can work on, especially in the off season, uh, in the camps, or with the athletic trainers to make sure that when they go out on the field or they go out on the court, in that case, they're ready to do, you know, do so well. And they're working to help kind of augment what was noticed in the combines. And that's something that a lot of people don't know. So that is truly behind the curtain. Um, I don't know if they're doing that now in the NFL, but I know that was a big part of the NBA. Yeah. Well, unfortunately we saw an example of what, and you're the example you brought up Wendy with, ankle you know lack of ankle mobility especially when that toe comes up towards the knee um we saw an example of an injury of of that in the super bowl unfortunately yeah and that and and i saw something on social media where they there was a compilation of of uh greenlaw's foot position when he's pushing when he's running uh when he's getting his starts so they were showing or not just when the thing, when the injury happened, you know, cause he was hopping around and just, he wasn't even in, in a play. He was running onto the field. And, and then, you know, the next day I saw a compilation of, of what his foot and ankle and his knee were doing relative to each other. And, and that just feeds to your point. Again, this was a Super Bowl, So it's the very end of the season. You've gone through a full season plus playoffs and then ultimately the big game. However, when we talk about the combine, they too have gone through a full season, right? Maybe a bowl game and then training. So unless you're taking those things into consideration and having somebody guide you, like you said, Wendy, do you have range of motion? Uh, Do you have coordination? Do you have appropriate 
uh, length tension relationships within that within that joint, as well as a balance of the other muscles that complement. Um, in that case, Wendy, you brought up the, the calf complex. So from that standpoint, you need to have some consideration during the training process. And when you look at these physical assessments, and I know that different teams look at assessments differently, or they'll use a different battery of assessments when it comes to, okay, well, how mobile is this guy? How coordinated is this guy? And then they'll use that information to, you know, and, and you can never 100% predict injury, but when it comes to injury potential, if someone doesn't move well, and then they have to, their body's going to have to take on the stresses and strains of training and practice and play, um, you want to know that, okay, well, if I'm going to, if, if, as an organization, you're going to spend millions of dollars. Not only, do, you know, if this guy can bench press, you know, 225, 20 times if they have a four or five or, or, or faster 40, um, those numbers can be impressive, but how well can they move, right? Anybody can, well, not say anybody, but <laughs> a lot of these guys, when you train for it, you're going to be better at it. But if I've got to put you on the playing field, now you're standing up. You don't have 225 pounds on your chest and you're not just jumping vertically and you're not just jumping forward. But how well do you move? Right. Yeah, can, you, can you change direction and not compromise, you know, your 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 joints too much when it comes to. Um, doing what you have to do on a regular basis. Well, and I think too, when we talk about training in all three planes of motion, so forward and back and side to side and rotation, we've said many times that when you're decelerating, so when you're kind of lowering your body down um, and, and you're rotating at the same time, that's where more injuries occur. That occurs in life. It occurs in sport. And that's one of the reasons why as a teacher, as an instructor, that we really focus and talk a lot about moving and training in all three planes of motion, because that's what we do, especially these guys that are doing it in a, in a very fast rate. There are other people that are coming at them. They have to keep their eye on the ball. So they're really not looking at what their feet or their body's doing or even where they're going half of the time. They just know. And so especially when you're looking at different positions, that's obviously extremely important. So to your point, I think it's important important that they, you know, they're training outside of what they're doing because repetitive movement obviously will increase chances of injury long-term. So if they're doing supplemental workouts and programs and somebody understands their position, they can work on the opposing muscles to get them stronger for better alignment. But it's also one of those things too, where we think that it's all about what's happening on the field. And if you really dive deep into the combines and, and when we say literally in the back of the curtain, it's, it is that that overhead squat. It is the different movement assessments. Like you said, the battery of assessments that the body goes through. It's drug testing. That's a big one um, because I know that they have to, to, to do that. Um, they also are doing interviews. So, Ken, I don't know if you know that too, but they actually do yeah. different types of interviews with different individuals, whether it's with a mic, on the camera, just sitting down, talking to different coaches. Um, they're always on as well because they want to see how are they going to talk about the training, talk about themselves, talk about their experience and what this means to them? Because that's also going to translate if they do make it to the big games and they get interviewed because they did something awesome that they can handle themselves in that way. And it's also something that's going to be super supportive of the team, the managers and especially the owners. Yeah, I was I was talking to, to one of our one of our, you know, 
then grad, you know, graduated players. And uh, the funny, the funniest thing he says, like, well, they'll, they'll, they'll have the, the, the whiteboard behind them and they'll say, okay, this is what you see. Um, what do you do? What's your role in this? So there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of game, uh, real game situations on, and they want to see how they react. So that alone can be pretty stressful. But I remember one player saying, yeah, I sat down with this team. We talked for a little bit, but then they asked me five questions about this other player that's on the team who was also a, a, a very high, who wound up being a very high draft pick. So it's like, they talked to me about, you know, my position, but they <laughs> wanted to know about this other guy just as much. I was like, well, well and that, and that's, that's, that's just one of those things where it's like, okay, well, the teams, if they're looking at other players, they, they'll, they'll, they want to know what you have to offer, but they'll also try to gather a little bit of intel. I thought that was funny because I just thought, okay, well, here are the X's and O's and <laughs> how would you handle it? But they said, well, how, how, how is this guy really? Is he, well, and is they he also really? change yeah. it up too, to see how quick can you learn? Because, you know, yeah. if you look at some of these books that they give you, they're like, here are all the plays and here are the different, you know, um, because they have to know the signals. I mean, guys, you've seen them on the field. They're throwing up hand signals, throwing up signs, you know, doing all different kinds of things. And they have to know what's ahead. So when they call plays, they don't sit there and have to say, OK, Ken, the ball's coming to you. So you're going to have to go to, you know, left and, you know, you're going to have to tackle this and make a hole here. I mean, we all know that, but it's one of those, how quick can they get it? How quick can they learn? And then, you know, what is their stress level? And there are times too, where they'll put heart rates or monitors on them. And as they're going through some of these different tests, they'll also see how their body reacts to the stresses that are put in front of them, which I also find to be fascinating because I, I really like that. I want to know how the body performs, but I also want to know what's happening on the inside. I mean, we've seen that even in NASCAR when people are in cars and what's happening where they're in these really stressful situations and their heart rate is like just super chill. I would be a hot mess. I'm already grabbing the dashboard when my husband drives. Can't imagine that. But, but you know, on the field, um, it's a completely different situation because they're looking at just you, you, your, your, um, your, your stats, the way that your body is, is able to, to deal with that kind of stress. But, you know, I think there's a lot of comparison too. Because people are like, well, what about the NBA and what about the combines? What are right. what are the differences? Now, again, we're talking about the the NBA right or the um, NFL right now. We know that it starts on the 26th. It goes through March 4th. The NBA draft usually doesn't start until I think May 16th ish that time frame. So there's a there's a big difference there. But it's because the draft for the NBA is in June, and so you know you've got to see what they're able to do for an immediate draft. But if you look at the comparisons, again, I talked about all the different, you know, drills that they have to do. It's very, very specific. Well, it's the same for the NBA. Again, your position is always going to matter. But I thought it was interesting that they look at your height with shoes on and then without shoes. Yeah. They look at your wingspan, which I find to be interesting because then I would I would be out just by looking at me. And they're like, girl, you can, I don't even go to people's like belly buttons half the time when we're working with some of these NBA guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they look at your body fat. They look at your hand, your size, not just the size itself, but the width. They want to know where your hand is in relation to the ball. Um, they look at uh, what else am I thinking? Um, body fat, the standing reach, the sitting reach, your different positions. All of that is being measured in the NBA, along with those movement um, assessments that I was telling you about, because I was a part of that. So I know that they take these movement assessments, guys. It's crazy. 
No, it's 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 not. I mean, they anthropometrically they want to see every that's a dimension. Word. Can you say that again? Look that's at like, you. Well, that's my one five <laughs> syllable word for the day. But, <laughs> well, you know, it's it's why you know you talk about the the um, the basketball player their hand relationship with the ball. They do the same thing with the NFL. They want to see what the quarterbacks hands are um what the quarterbacks hands are like you know when it comes to the ball and and the, one of the quarterbacks at the time uh you know I put my hand up against his and he goes he goes the one knock against me is that I got small hands and I put my hand against his and I had my 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 pinky to thumb was a little bit was a, just a little bit bigger than his I'm like yeah if my hands are bigger than yours <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and you do have a knock against you. I know. Well, I was, yeah. you know, I, I actually grew an inch when I did my life insurance. So who knew? I kept oh, saying I was, I was a certain yeah. height and apparently I was an inch taller. So yay me. But but there is a little bit different too, because they do a no step vertical test and then they do a vertical test max. Yeah. So again, one of the reasons why we really do look at good range of motion, because that is extremely important, especially in the NBA, more so than I think in, even in the MP, or the NFL uh, lane agility. They look at that. They look at the three, four, um, the three, four court split, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Um uh, what else is there? There is um, obviously the bench press. That's a big one because, you know, that's important, I guess. <laughs> there are certain tests where I'm yeah, like, really? Right. But they do, I guess, want to see, you know, kind of see how much they can bench and how strong they are. Um, all of that's going to be important. But then again, too, they do look at someone's, you know, they look at the records. They look at previous records. And, you know, we've had, I've worked a ton with the NBA and it's amazing how, I'll look at what their history and their previous injuries are. And then I'll have a side conversation and they'll say, well, listen, I had PRP on this day. I did this kind of thing. This isn't documented. We're keeping this under the record, um, you know, because we don't want the doctors to or the coaches to know that I had this done. However, I had this done so and so long ago and it's been great. I've had no knee pain. I'm no bone on bone. So it's interesting because there are things that you're going to see in their records and there's some stuff that, people are doing on the side that is not documented because those injury reports are going to be huge. And, um, you know, I think, I think I find all of it fascinating. And, and again, I'm super passionate about this because this is kind of like our, our wheelhouse. And if you are tuning in on random fit with myself, Wendy Bats and Ken Miller, we're talking about, you know, about the combines, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, we're kind of talking about the inside the combine curtains. So kind of behind the scenes, along with what you're going to see on television. And uh, if you get a chance and you have not had the chance to watch it on television, it is, there's some, it's great. Some of these times that people are putting out and some of these metrics that they're getting, it's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And I, I think just one other thing about the combine, and, and again, it's highlighted when you, when you look at, uh, you know, ESPN or the NFL, NFL network, they're, they're showing that, I mean, it is from dawn to dusk when it shows it. But I think a lot of people too, don't realize that, you know, they'll, they'll have uh, that, the event in this case, the NFL, it's in Indianapolis. However, there's a, there's the, there are pro days at the universities themselves. So they'll host their own pro day to where, They'll highlight their own specific players. Um, the scouts will come out and they'll they'll just have an opportunity to go on site. And 
you'll also see that even though they get an invitation, um, sometimes they'll perform all of the assessments, but sometimes they'll say, you know what, I'm going to hold off on that, but I'm going to do something at this site or this at my old university, and I'm going to do this assessment over there. So sometimes it's, it's a not all or nothing. They will hold off on certain events if they think they, they can do uh, if they can do better at a later time someplace else. So there's there's that. And that gets pretty crazy, too. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy because you have, the, you know, and back then you didn't have the the basically the, the the nil contracts. Right. You don't. So everything was heavily weighted on when they had a chance to perform. So you had the scouts, you had agents, and because it's open, you have the friends and family, and there's people watching uh, from from all levels relative to, to the sport. So when you have, a, if you have a chance and, and you find out about a local pro day, um, and you can see for yourself, you know, because that is, that is usually open, um, depending on the player or the university uh, that's that's going to be there and it's it's quite a it's quite a sight because they'll do the bench there they'll do the 40 they'll do the vertical so they'll do all the assessments for that university's team just again highlight their players as opposed to other players so there are multiple events when it comes to this combine training not everything happens in indianapolis when it comes to player evaluation but just know that there are other locations that are possible when it comes to looking at what a player can do. So. Well, and I think it's also important too, that a lot is, well, I know this for more for the NBA and I'm guessing it's the same for NFL, but I know if you're um, coming and you're international. So for all of our international uh, listeners, there is a Euro camp that that's where they usually do their testing. And um, so not all of the people that are international fly into the States to do the NBA combine. They actually do their own. And then they all get together with those uh, stats now, granted, if it's somebody that's that a team really, really wants, they will fly them in. But oftentimes, the international, uh, the international one is separate. In case you didn't know, right. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> You're well, a any any <laughs> chance? Yeah, well, any any chance that you know uh, an organization has to look at who can potentially improve their team's performance. You know, they're, they're the Greek freak. I'm just telling you, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's he's amazing. He's <laughs> I love watching. I him always say that, y'all, in case you didn't know, I'm half Greek. My mother was 100 percent off the boat from Athens. And so I'm I'm a fan just because it was her country. So this well, that and he's a good player. And he's amazing. <laughs> and, he's an amazing and his shoes are cute. So, yes, do yeah. I yeah. own yeah. those? I do. <laughs> Well, Wendy, I think uh, I think we've come uh, combined uh, <laughs> the combined the the NFL and the NBA as far as what um, teams use or you know the, those two leagues use to evaluate their players and it's it's a lot of people again for for those two days there is a I mean there are there's months of preparation that people don't realize and even after or before or during what you see what's on tv there's a lot of stuff that's happening off camera so i think hopefully we shed some light on what these these hopeful uh professional athletes um you know 
are going through when it when it comes to the combine. So big stuff, big stuff, and uh, that they have to go. I, I mean, I, I feel for these guys really. So <laughs> so hopefully we, we've uh, enlightened you all uh, when it comes to the combine. So thank you for listening to us, both Wendy Bats and I, Ken Miller, on this episode of Random Fit when we go inside the combine curtain. So you like what we had to talk about today? Um, like, follow, subscribe, share, download, and more importantly, let us know what more you want us to talk about here on Random Fit. So until next time, everybody, take care and be well.